Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? Uh, this is WTF. Did you know what you tuned in for? Did you, do you want to double check? What Did I do it right? I was, I was playing with a knob, but I'm in a hotel room still. I've been away so long now. I'm in Dublin, Ireland right now. I'm sitting in Dublin in a hotel room, and there's a pastry problem. Yeah, I can't even... Ugh, they're just over there. I, I'll explain to you in a minute. Anyways, Bruce McCullough of the Kids in the Hall is on the show today. And he is, um, I think there's five of them, right? So this will be four out of the five. All I'm missing is a McKinney. Uh, Bruce is here. It was great to talk to him. He sounds uniquely like himself. There is no doubt who I am talking to. Uh, he's been on the, uh, on the, on the road with uh, his one-man show, Tales of Bravery and Stupidity. And that's uh, he's turning that into a book. And he's also, I guess, the executive producer and director of the upcoming sketch comedy show called Tall Boys. So on Sunday, what I did was, today's Thursday, I haven't talked to you since Monday, but you, I didn't tell you about Sunday. So Sunday was a big day. It was the day before I did Birmingham, England, which was a good show. It was an interesting show. So on Sunday, I went down to the Hayward Gallery, and that's down by South Bank Center where I did the show. This is in London. I was going to go see the Diane Arbus show. They have a Diane Arbus exhibit of early photographs of Diane Arbus. Some I've seen, most of them I hadn't. It was sort of before she found her style in a way. You could see it coming, but she was still using a 35 millimeter camera before she went with the, uh, I think it's two and a half by two and a half square, maybe Hasselblad type of stuff for one of the other uh, bigger cameras. And uh, she did a lot of those shots that you know that are hers, that are signature hers. But this before was more of a, Ouija, Versailles, Robert Frankish, I think, uh, area of photography, though you could see it coming, but it was a little more, it was a little different. Still starting to, you know, kind of peel back the layers of people who are painfully authentic, slightly disturbing. But, but anyway, so I went to see that, but there was another show along with it that kind of blew my mind. And it was one of those moments where you realize just how isolated or insulated or 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 just detached we are in america maybe not everybody maybe i'm just talking about me maybe i can't generalize and say it's the whole country about the broader palette the broader spectrum of other cultures other problems uh, other issues that happen internationally that are similar to some of the issues we have but different and it was kind of blowing my mind this 
Algerian, a French Algerian artist, I believe. His name is Kader Atia. There was a lot of his work, several different rooms, different uh, things. There was a room full of pictures of Algerian transgender prostitutes in Paris. There was another room that dealt primarily with uh, kind of documentary, short documentary footage about people talking about lost limbs, both from war and from other reasons. And then there was another room that was like structural sculpture that was sort of like uh, housing projects and stuff based on the the grid of housing projects. And there was another room uh, that had large shelves with um, primitive and some modern African masks with books. And some of these masks had disfigured faces on them. And then there were photographs of uh, World War II soldiers whose faces were disfigured and then repaired. He's sort of obsessed with the idea of repair and what repair implies. It's all very deep and very complicated and provocative. But it was got me into that space where I bought the book and I'm reading about it and it's all about you know post-colonialism and about the struggle of, of self and what public housing and projects do to uh, ethnic groups who are marginalized and expected to integrate. It, it, was, it was a lot. There was a lot of different rooms, a lot of different angles, and my brain was all blown out with the Arvis photograph, so I was pretty wide open. And then downstairs at the BFI, the British Film Institute, they were running, you know, new prints of clockwork orange so i went and saw that so needless to say i was i was blasted apart in a pretty dark way i don't think about post-colonialism i you know it was bad but that's not a conversation that we really have in the states or maybe it's not a conversation i have it just made me realize in that moment that we sort of get even if you're open-minded it's amazing how narrow-minded you get in terms of what is sort of moving through your brain and how you see the world. And, and this just sort of kind of supported and kind of kind of blew out and opened up my own weird, you know, floating sense of, you know, what do I, how do I know what I know? What do I know that is real? What is truth? You know, what is happening? Is it over? It was a dark day. And then I had dinner with Yorgos Lanthimos, who went to my show. You might have remembered I interviewed him. He's a director, Greek director, lives in London. And he directed The Favorite and some of those kind of provocative and troubling movies that I enjoyed. The Lobster, Killing of the Sacred Deer, Alps, Dogtooth. Yeah, the, he turns, yeah, he's obviously a very bright and very smart guy with a very, you know, real vision, a slightly dark vision. So, it was a full-on dark vision day, but uh, me and Yorgos just had a nice chat about love, life, food, creativity, ate, ate at a nice place. Yep, desserts. That's where it started now that I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm on a roll, man, with the food. There's pastries over there. I'll, I'll explain it to you in a minute. I think I'm trying to say that I'm having a pretty good time, and I'm filling my brain up, and I'm loading it up, and I'm blowing it out, and um. I'm integrating it into what I'm thinking about out loud on stage, and it's good. It's proactive. Uh, I'm eating well, but I'm, I'm hating myself for it. But that's the, that's, that is the, the, the wire I walk. That's the thin ice of me. I'm out there. I'm out there without a net, eating things that can just completely drop the bottom out of my entire sense of self. But, right? Live a little. So the pastries. Maybe I should address that email. Mark. My husband and I are huge fans, and it has been great to watch your fame grow bigger every year. I just wanted to write and ask you 
how you have learned to mellow out over the years. You are constantly mentioning that you were jealous and angry in your earlier career. I personally can tell this in the tone of your voice during your podcast and stand-up over the years. Do you meditate? Do yoga? How have you found your personal inner peace? This is a constant battle for myself, and I'm looking for some guidance. Big fan, May. May, there, there is nothing going on inside of me that resembles inner peace, first of all. Uh, second of all, the jealousy and anger has been tempered. I still find it comes up in moments. It doesn't need to come up, but it does. Uh, the anger thing is there, but it's getting better. A couple of things have happened. I have found some success in my life, which uh, kind of filled a certain void in that you know I worked my entire life to to achieve something, and I seem to have achieved a lot of the things I, I wanted to achieve, and am and I am achieving them still. So that that helps a lot. Uh, I used to do yoga. I don't. I exercise a lot, except right now because I'm on the road and I've chosen to eat instead of exercise. I don't meditate. I've tried. I find it irritating. But a lot of it has to do with just knowing, you know, what's real and what isn't, which is the big question. You know, what are you reacting to? What are you making? How are you making yourself crazy? Is it real or is it something your brain is just doing to you? Usually for me, it was something my brain is doing to me. And that, I think, is probably uh, the same for a lot of people. The truth is, is that if you look around and you make a little gratitude list, what is going well? What are you thankful for? You know, did you have a nice breakfast? Um, is, how's your pets? Uh, is your partner a nice person? Uh, are if, if some of those things you can check those off and maybe find a little balance, but, uh, some kind of self-acceptance I think is necessary. It's a tall order, especially if your brain is projecting garbage all the time, but, um, sometimes you can turn that off that those are the times that are enjoyable. I hope that helps. Thanks for writing in. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm, there's pastries over there. I'm staying at this hotel. All right. I'm in Dublin. I'm excited to be here. I, di- I get here and I walk into my room and there's a tray of four like fancy kind of like pastry art pastry, little pieces of stuff, cookies, stuff with cream, stuff with, uh, you know, arty chocolate on top, things that look too pretty to eat. And it's just sort of like, what the fuck? I can't just do this. There's four of them. And I felt bad because I want to insult the pastry chef. I get really uh, weird about throwing food away. And when I really think about how much food gets thrown in the garbage, and I think, well, you can grow more stuff that grows, and I guess you can make more meat, but that's part of the problem. How many fish are there left? How can we throw all this fish away? It doesn't matter. That's sometimes where my brain goes. Pastries are a little different, but I did feel bad. But I was like, went downstairs. I'm like, you got to get those out of my room because I can't do that right now. I didn't go too far into it. I didn't spin out in front of the woman at the front desk like I really I don't know what you're trying to do to me I mean come on fuck that they look so good but I can't do it because then it'll just be a spiral of of darkness it was a pretty little sweet spiral of darkness available to me this goes back to uh to what May just wrote try not to do those things that will throw you into into a spiral of darkness and then I come back to my room and there's not one tray of pastry, little pastry cookie things. There's two. And they gave me a mistake one. There was a card to me, thanks for being at the hotel. And then there was a card to a Mr. Jackson. And it was a, and on it, they squirted in chocolate, happy 10th stay. That's not me. I don't even know if this is real again. I'm in another hotel. Am I in The Shining? 
Have I been here 10 times? Should I eat both of those trays of pastries? There's eight of them just sitting over there. And if I don't get them the fuck out of my room, I'm going to eat them all really fast and then sit there in a sugar coma and wonder why about everything. Not going to do it. Anyway, there's pastries right there. There's two trays of them. There's a a round thing with some cream on it, then a square thing with several layers and a couple of pretty candies on it. And then there's a brownie floating on what looks like a piece of peanut brittle with some other goop on the top. And then there's just a a little piece of chocolate. Now, knowing me, if I leave them there long enough, I'll be like, I'm just going to eat the little piece of chocolate. And then there's a bowl of chocolate. What the fuck is with this chocolate? There's a piece of chocolate on the bed. Maybe I'm not cut out for this nice hotel shit. I'm having a good time. Did I mention that? Can you hear it in my voice? Bruce McCullough, the fourth kid in the hall that I've talked to. Uh, His one-man show, Tales of Bravery and Stupidity, he tours with that. It's also becoming a book. And uh, he's also the executive producer and director of the upcoming sketch comedy show called Tall Boys. This is me talking to Bruce McCullough. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called the Foxed page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades, or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts are you trying to intimidate me with your expensive guitars no i mean well yeah no no (laughs) (laughs) the gibson i got for free Right. Yeah. So, like, I'm not. I'm not trying to intimidate people just, you. People just give you guitars, right? Well, I work it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not a musician, so in order for me to get a free guitar from Gibson, I've got to really jump through some hoops. Yeah. I had to do some things. Right. Yeah. See, I still get caps. That's where I'm at. Caps. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. a like a toque. <laughs> it says Project Ten or something on it. I'm not, I'm yeah. not fucking and a that. water bottle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get a water that bottle. Stinks. So, um, where, where'd you drive? Did you just drive? Am I close to you? I mean, are we- I was uh, in Laurel Canyon. Is that where you live? No, I actually live in Toronto, and I stayed late. Oh, really? To fam- come to this? To come see you. That's nice. Because you're an influencer. Is that, <laughs> am I still? Yeah. And you <laughs> have many, many platforms, <laughs> which is a funny word. I, I think I have, I have one primary platform, and it's podcasting. I, I can't, uh, you know, I'm about to, I'm, I'm trying to get off the platforms. Right. Are you? Uh, I'm just on Twitter. Yeah, but I can't take it anymore. Yeah, well, it's uh, it, everyone went through a thing, I think, when uh, he was first elected, where they were yeah. all so sad. But I think people are funny again now. 
Well, it's weird because that's what happened. I, he was elected. Uh, we're not mentioning names. Yeah. The, the monster came. Yeah. When the monster, <laughs> when, the, when the golem showed up. <laughs> yeah, everyone was like, it's over. But uh, I kind of stuck to it. I, I, I stopped tweeting uh, anything funny or clever. Right. Uh, arguably ever. But I mean, when, <laughs> when Trump took office, I was like, I'm out. And right. I just never really went back. Yeah. Because then it just seemed like this... I don't know. Do you ever look at Twitter and just see uh, just a lot of needy people? Um, <laughs> like people we know, even. Yeah, all of us. <laughs> all of us needy children who had bad childhoods. It's true, right? Yeah, there we are. Yeah. yeah. Just every 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, oh, there he yeah. is again. Yeah, some too many. Yeah. And, of course, uh, I have friends who, this is the good life. Really? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, oh, here's me in Paris. Oh, they do that? Yeah, a little bit of that. Is that Instagram more? Uh, I guess I'm not on Instagram. But they do it on Twitter? Yeah. Oh, really? So you've got some of those friends who are like, uh, how you doing? It's like, shut up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm living my best life at Trader Joe's. (laughs) (laughs) They have Trader Joe's in Toronto? They do not. Oh. I I think I remembered that. Like, because once you get hooked to Trader Joe's, you go somewhere else. You're like, how do you not have it? Yeah. Where's Trader Joe's? Yeah. And then you realize, like, it's not that great. Yeah. Is it? I don't know. It's like, and you're asking, it's like it's fentanyl or something. Hey, man, where's Trader Joe's? Joe's. You want that consistency. You want to be able to show up and go like, it's just like ours. They have the same things. Yeah. Yeah. I want the $6 rosé. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, all right. So you live in Toronto. I just, I've been in, I had been in LA for almost 20 years and I just moved back. Oh, this sounds like a sad story. Yeah, it's a very sad story. <laughs> no, I, I'd always sort of promised myself and yeah. my family that I'd be back by the time my daughter was in high school, which was this year. So we, she we started back. high school this year? Yeah. I, you know, de- but don't you, aren't you relieved that you have Canada? I, I am. Yeah. And I think, I, I feel sort of bad that I'm leaving leaving the shit show yeah. because there's so many sad people here yeah. and it's a, not a great time. And oh, I thought you meant worse. the show you were directing, Shit's well, Creek. Oh. <laughs> Didn't you? And I'm like, wow. Excellent, you're, excellent you're segue. Out. I'm, I'm out. I'm <laughs> yeah, fuck that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, the shit show is true, the, yeah. but but you're sad a, a little bit? Well, no, I didn't. I don't want to have, I don't want people to think I've left because of Trump. Right. I, I, it was just time of the season as we like to. No, I mean, I think if you would have left because of Trump, you, you, you sort of you're on the other side of the arc here you would have got out two years ago right. and said fuck this yeah but did you become a citizen here how does that yeah, work i have two passports in my, in my uh, expensive lapel wow. of my jacket what does it take because uh, initially when when he took office i was very panicked that right. uh, my people them being yeah. the jews were going to be corralled <laughs> up and, and uh, i was no, the jews are fine now it's it's the darker skinned people yeah that well that was trouble. my yeah. my girlfriend's argument was like i don't think you're first on the list i'm like <laughs> I know, but we're on it. Yeah, we're, you yeah. know, yeah, four down probably. But uh, but that's insensitive. Yeah. But I I did uh, call an immigration lawyer in uh, in Canada. Yeah. I did a little research, yeah. and it was the her English was choppy, and it, she was French, <laughs> and I didn't quite understand. It seemed like a big ordeal. Right? Was it a big ordeal? No, for... you just pay a guy. You just got to know a guy. Pay a guy. Really? To yeah. ca- to be a citizen here? Yeah. As a Canadian? Yeah. But I'd had H uh, ones or whatever it was through my uh, many career. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember, like, I was a, I guess I was at Comedy Central. No, I mean, it was that, sort of after the kids in the hall kind of already ran its course, but we ran them constantly. The the early Comedy Central. Right. Like, late 80s. Yeah. But you didn't, you didn't grow up in Toronto. I grew up in Calgary, 
in a little. Yeah. It was backwards then. You would be uh, chased by a truck. Yeah. And called a fag if you were wearing bowling shoes or nurse's shoes, as I was. Is that what <laughs> <laughs> you were? Nurse's shoes. Guy? Yeah, nurse's shoes and like three neckties and a piece of rope holding my pants up. You know the the usual stuff, Mark. <laughs> yeah. The, when you're sixteen. When, yeah, crazy. you're sixteen in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. It's very specific. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I was looking through stuff of, about you, and and we're you know you're a couple years older than me, but it is that weird time of there's that window of of how we all defined ourselves as individuals back then that's very specific yeah the, the sort of punk rocky new wavy oh without you know, question bowling shirts bowling shoes work clothes yeah. and not working <laughs> yeah 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 and especially me i mean and calgary like i luckily i found about six friends who were into t-rex or whatever i was into but that was all i cared about Really, that, T Rex was the thing. Well, just all of it. No, well, I know. Right, it you went know. from it, you know went from Deep Purple to oh yeah, you know all the well that well that's the thing <laughs> that I started to notice about like even the uh, the the music comedy records you did and some of the other stuff was that we were the generation that kind of straddled that kind of uh, early seventies rock and this other thing. Yeah, so we had it around us. It was so important. I remember I I used to, when I did stand up, I'd come out to. Lust for life, right? And I think I was so cool, right? Like, right. come on, yeah, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then I'd bomb, yeah, right, because the music thought that it was going to be fun, and then I'd bomb. Oh, no, I, yeah. I, I, I do not like being brought out to music even now, right? I'm like, yeah, that you, just, why would you do that? Yeah, how, like, it's just like Mark Marin, come on, it's like, yeah. now, now it's, how is that not going to be? Yeah, and it's down? never a song that has anything to do with you, Mm-mm. you know. Yeah, it's some rap song I don't even know the name of. Yeah. But uh, but when you were a kid, though, because there was definitely a difference between like rock guys and and the art guys, right? And uh, and you did, you landed firmly in the art camp, or you were well, half I, and half. I was all of that, and I was I was an angry young man. I fought a lot. I drank a lot. I, you were a fighter. Oh yeah, fought a lot. Really? I mostly would get beat up, but oh. you'd go out and fight. Right? So you'd booze it up and yeah. go beat up who? Yeah. Um, or the cowboys would come get us. That's the thing yeah. I don't. I I didn't learn that until later in life about the Calgary Cowboys. Oh man, they would get you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we'd go out with a guy from Stelco Steel. He wouldn't even wash his face after a shift, and he'd say, "Who do you want me to take?" And we'd point. We'd point Gord into some direction, and he'd take out about three guys, and then one little guy'd come and beat the fucking shit out of me. <laughs> so that was just it. You yeah. drink and you go find cowboys to fight. Yeah. Well, no, they would find you because we were fags because oh. we, we were weren't wearing what they were wearing. Yeah. But but I, I don't know if a lot of people understand that Calgary has this culture because it's oil, right? Yeah. And they just sort of copy Texas. How does it just recreate itself? Well, it is it is sort of like that. It is sort of like Dallas or one of those places where you know, and it's uh, it's king. Yeah, the oil is king. Yeah, yeah. Is it still? Uh, yeah, but there's a great arts community there now that was sort of started around you know that we were there and some great theater and all all kinds of stuff. So when you're okay, so you're growing up in Calgary, you and your six friends, and uh, by large, six he means two, two, yeah. <laughs> But a large one named Gord. Yeah. <laughs> the missile. <laughs> and are you doing, like, how many siblings you got? I have an older sister. Is she all right? Yeah, she's okay. She's uh, She's got a great spirit. She I, I always say she's my younger sister, even though she's older. Cause Why? I don't know. Because she talks funny and stuff. Like, I don't know. <laughs> was, was she the role model for many of the feminine characters that you Well, have? I do a Kathy as one of our characters, which is kind of my sister, who is like, um, bad things are always happening to her. Yeah. Um, but she's still got a great little spirit. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Ah, <laughs> I'm in jail in, in Gleeson, Alberta. 
<laughs> you know. <clears throat> uh, did you guys uh, talk about like have serious discussions about who who played the best woman? Um, no, I we we left that for other people. Um, and where does it land usually? Well, I think it's Dave. I have a pretty good set of legs. Yeah. Um, Scott is a can't believe that he's considered the worst looking woman. <laughs> very handsome man, though, of course. Um, but yeah. And Mark, Mark had a very specific woman. He did, yeah. yeah. So when you're growing up there in Calgary with the Cowboys and two friends and Big Gord, um, <laughs> what, what, you're just, like, what changes, like, were you heading down a bad path? Did you feel like uh, you were you're going to be lost if you didn't find uh, the funny? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was, I was kind of a loser. And I'm, on my 18th birthday, I had a thing called Tequila Fest mm. at my house. And, you uh, and the two guys? Well, actually, we invited over some more friends. And my mom came in and had a heart attack when she saw the house. And from there on, for about a year, I'd just do like any job because I you know, had no money. And I'd be like, you know. She freaked out? Framing houses. Yeah, she had a heart attack. She had a real heart <laughs> a attack? A literal heart attack. No. Yeah, on my 18th birthday. Oh my and, uh, God. Is so, she all right? Happy birthday. What happened? She's still alive, believe it or not. Yeah. She's had a few more. You know, she's, she 80, had, she's 80 now. She's you had know, a few She just heart keeps attack. having them, you know? <laughs> You know, I think her heart's a lump of butter. Yeah, you know? <laughs> but she's eighty, so she's, she's eighty. So, I every time I talk to her, I say, "Mom, I can't fucking believe you're still alive." <laughs> what did she say? <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> what about your old man? Uh, long dead. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, how'd he die? Uh, ALS. Oh, that's bad. It's a bad one. That takes time. For a guy who likes to talk, and then he couldn't talk at the oh, end. It was very sad. God. He had his clipboard. He'd write out a joke, Mark. It would drive me crazy. He'd write out a joke. It would yeah. take five minutes. It's like, Dad, you don't need to write out a joke that takes five minutes. Yeah. It's called timing, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> He'd say that to him? Yeah. Hey, poor guy. Yeah. He's just like, enough. Yeah. <laughs> you knew the joke. Yeah. But really, but how, oh God, how old were you when that happened? Uh, that was about 15 years ago. Oh. Yeah. And it took a long time? Mm, yeah. It, oh, not so long. It yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah. But you were like able to communicate by writing on. He would write things. He would write. ALS means you you still have your brain, but your body fails you. Yeah, and it either it either affects uh, it affects your voice or something else. There's two there's two forms of it, and his is the voice. And he loved to talk. Right. He would, yeah. He'd wake up in the morning and go, "I'm lonely. Let's talk. What are we talking about? Want to talk about the Prussian Empire? Like anything was of interest to him. <laughs> but right? it would start with I'm lonely. Yeah, I'm lonely. It's like six in the morning. That <laughs> you just smell the cigarettes coming from downstairs. Yeah, that, oh, so that happened your whole life. Yeah, like, my whole life. Where was your mom? Uh, well, they broke up when I was young, and then I had oh. a, then I had a stepmom who died of the drink, oh. uh, and my dad was a very serious boozer. Really, really good at it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but then went to AA for many years. Last year, so he life. died sober. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Now, when you were in high school, did that uh, was that a did that transfer to you? Were you are you? A... I, I drank, but Daddy drank rye, so I wasn't going to drink rye. So rye? I... Who even calls it rye? Yeah, was they, he they, was they... he from the eighteen hundreds? <laughs> yeah, rye and ginger. That was, that was Daddy's drink. Yeah? yeah, rye and ginger. Now rye is just whiskey, right? Yeah. It's a type of whiskey. Yeah. What's a brand of rye? Uh, uh, well, Hudson's Bay. They yeah. would because my mom had worked at Hudson's Bay, oh. so she she drank the rye and in a plastic cup. Which What's was, Hudson's Bay? It's Hudson's Bay, the company. Yeah, that that took all the land from the First Nations people and Is took this all a, their a Canadian thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. you don't look so surprised. Yeah. I, I'm a little. Out. He doesn't care about the First Nations people, guys. <laughs> you heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> in Hudson's Bay, what what what, what kind of company was it? What did they make? Uh, they well, they make everything. It's a department store, but they famously took all the, the, the pelts from the First Nations people oh, and, I get it. and gave them blankets. And oh, my dad famously- That's where it started. Yeah. Oh. My dad famously got up at, at one of their functions. My mom worked there yeah. and, and gave a toast 
to uh, Hudson's Bay who had been who had been fucking the First Nations people, fucking them over. Um, and everyone went, what? <laughs> what is he doing? But that's the kind of thing they do. It was a protest message? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. it was a... Uh, he, yeah. oh, so he was he, a hipster, right? So that's where, well, no, but yeah. that's where you got your sense of humor. Yeah. Like he had well, a couple of drinks, he's just going to stick it to the man. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, and at his wife's function. She never, we never stopped hearing about that one. And that was the end of them. Uh, no, they, no? no, they just kept going. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, that was the stepmom? Yeah. yeah. Those are the years of rye. Was that, was that, that the stepmom? Yeah, that was the stepmom. Oh, so they were both drinking the rye. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Did you live with them? For a while, and then I left. Yeah, it was pretty grim. Yeah, and they had a dog that would just binky that would just attack you if you left the house. It was f- fucking crazy. Don't leave, crazy don't leave land. me with these people. <laughs> you'd have to throw a ball yeah. and then, like, you go for it and then you run out before you <laughs> caught your pant leg. So that sounds pretty chaotic. And it you're, was very chaotic. Yeah. And your mom didn't remarry. Uh, she had a bunch of uh, suitors, lovers, things like that. But no, in and out of the house. Yeah, this is your new dad. Oh uh, no, maybe not. No, no dad. Just some guy. This guy, guys named like Villy and stuff like Billy. that. Villy. Where did you pick up a guy named Villy? I've never even heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but you, you you seem to. So I I mean I guess this is what built you. This is the uh, this is the shame that yep. built you. Yeah. It, and I, it's so funny when I see like uh, I'm working with a young comedy troupe now and they're all they're they've had s- sort of nice lives and it's like how do you do it? How are you funny? Like f- you know for us obviously yeah. the kids. In the hall it's all all dysfunction you know well i don't like i find myself asking that too like is it what like there there was a point where i think we all sort of celebrated the fact that we had gone through some shit yeah that and, and it was cultural and it was you know the time was right for it i mean there was like new things happening or whatever but it seemed like i sort of i i think i look back at my life and i'm like yeah i've had many lives and you know right. we went through some shit and it sort of defined me yeah and then when i see these younger people they're they're sort of well adjusted they they seem to function they have they have uh they have a uh plan right that kind of stuff <laughs> yep. and and they're they're good and i'm like yeah, maybe we didn't need it i mean yeah. maybe like romanticizing that stuff was just bullshit no it is bullshit and i think you know, it's like there's so much kindness in a lot of young people. I don't know what to do with that. I, well, I, I don't believe it at first. Right. Do I, well, I don't believe it at first, but it's actually real. I know. You know? I know. There's real sincere kind of like they're well adjusted. Yeah. And we're old white fuckers. We have to realize the world has actually changed. No, that's you know? I mean, yeah. I think that's true. Yeah. It has changed. But does that diminish us entirely or can we still somehow like secretly be proud of, of, of our fuck upness? Oh, without question. I mean, we've been <laughs> grandfathered in. Right. <laughs> we're like, I, I think now like anybody. Anybody who's, you know, my age, I won't say our age because I'm a little bit older than you. 57, I'm 55. Yeah. Um, is, uh, we're like the blues now. Like, yeah. we're just still out there, man. Like, that's how I feel, right? I'm I'm B.B. King on, on a Tuesday night. There's, there's a, I saw, I remember I saw Mavis Staples a few years ago. Yeah. And one of the greatest singers yeah. in the oh, world. Yeah, absolutely. And she's, and then she gave one of the greatest shows and then she said, yeah, and there's CDs for sale out front. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you're 75 and you're still doing it. But go Mavis Go. Yeah, I, I there, there's the Go Mavis Go part of that, but you know, as somebody who who sees it, you know, there's two ways to look right. at that. Like, why does she have to do that still? Right. You know, but she, it's what she does. Yeah. I always I always wonder that about certain people. It's like, do you need to do this? It's like Bob Dylan is probably out there singing at a state fair right now, and there's part of me that's sort of like, well, he can't need to do it. Well, I know it's like my my friend Jeff Garland, who you know, doing stand up, like, Dro- Jeff- dropping those names. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jeffy, um, walks in. He's doing stand up at eleven at night. What do you? You got two shows on the air. What do you? What do you need to do stand no, up no, at I, eleven I, at night for? Not only does he need to do it, but he, he's very proud of the fact that he doesn't write any stand up and never 
prepares to do stand up and then gets up there and kind of like rambles through something. Yeah, it's it's the ramble act. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I don't prepare for any of it. He's like very yeah. proud of that. Yeah. And there are nights where I watch him and I'm like, maybe you should, you know, maybe <laughs> you can write something down. <laughs> he's gonna get mad yeah. at me for Repetition saying that. Repetition is beautiful. So okay, so there you are. You're you you can't go home. No, <laughs> you're, you're, can never go you're, home. You're growing up, and there's just uh, there's there's rye, yeah, rye and ginger in one house, yeah. and Billy's in the other house. <laughs> and the, yeah. Maybe a new guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, what? Did, so your mom worked at Hudson Bay. What did the dad do? Uh, he was a salesman. He was a traveling salesman. For real? When yeah, when the that existed, and then he sold furniture. But so he, wait, he had a couple of trunks of stuff that he throw in the trunk and yeah, he actually had sample cases of, like old school. That's why I what anything he was just a uh, he sold like um, greeting cards and uh, uh, different kinds of uh, animal products like to help clean things and stuff. Uh-huh. It was pretty national chem search he worked for. Uh-huh. It was pretty sad stuff. Uh-huh. But because he was a boozer, he would go on the road, sure. work two days and then get lost for three, you right. know? <laughs> and that's what I think all those guys, all these traveling salesmen were boozers, right? Well, yeah, it's like, well, it's, it's also like comics, you know? How like, do you uh, not drink? Well, it, it, but stand-up comics, you go out, you do your, in a different town from Wednesday to Sunday. And a lot of those guys, like, I don't know about, about traveling salesmen, were, were definitely, you know, running from, Tax payments, alimony payments, right. families, children, like it was their own space. So yeah. you just kind of hole up in a hotel room and yeah, go at al- it. But also you have 23 hours in a day, I know. you know, so what else are you going to do? That's right. Yeah. Well, you might as well drink for four and then sleep <laughs> for 12 and then go <laughs> And then watch the first 48 on A&E because it's the only thing on. So, uh, so really he'd go on benders. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And but you got along with him the whole time? Uh, no, well, he was a violent man. He was fun though. Like he was, <laughs> he was all all things. It could be like he'd slap you for doing something wrong, or he'd say, "Hey, let's order Chinese food." Yeah. You know, it could be anything. <laughs> those are the two options. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Chinese food or a but slap. Those are the two tones. Yeah, yeah you, get, yeah. you get popped or like, yeah, ah, come on. Yeah, what are we gonna do yeah. tonight? Let's talk about jazz. Yeah. <laughs> so we they beat you up a lot. Uh, I don't know if he would say beat me up. He would slap me, mm. right? Or he would slap my sister. Mm. You know, it was a very, very chaotic. But, but did, so in, in, like, could it, in light of that, I find that people who have that kind of upbringing where you just never know what you're walking into or what's going to happen, you know, you go two di- directions. You either become that or you become these sort of like controlled, kind of like, uh, you know, like, oh, it's just trying to make it as safe as possible for yeah. everybody. Yeah, I don't know if I'm that. No, I'm, I don't I, think so. I'm, I, I, I oddly, I don't know. I, I don't feel like I wear that. No, I don't feel you, that way. But you seem like, uh, you seem like, um, like, uh, you seem stable. Yeah. You know, maybe a little dark, but stable. Yeah, and I feel I feel with with age, I've gotten more stable and more. I think I was, you know, like kind of a young prick. Yeah. But I feel now that I'm uh, have evolved into someone I'm fairly yeah. proud of. Right? Isn't it weird how you soften and there's nothing you can do about it? And then every once in a while, the old prick comes out and you're like, I better put a stop to that. Yeah. I, that does. I can't. <laughs> yeah, I can't yell. I can't people can't yell now. anymore. You can't yell at people anymore. You can't throw a coffee mug at an assistant anymore. <laughs> Man, things have changed. Yeah. <laughs> can't even throw hot coffee anymore. It's the world coming to you. You were a yeller? Uh, yeah. Or it's like uh, mostly about the show or my comedy because everything I was doing was so important and everyone had to understand that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 
just get out of my way. Get out of the little man's way. He will eat, he will eat your throat. The genius is in the room. Yeah. And I we, I remember we do the tapings and Kevin and Dave would celebrate because they were so happy yeah. after, after a scene. And I would go up, run upstairs and, and look at the feed and make sure we didn't need pickups. Yeah, so <laughs> oh, you're, so there, guy. that's the control thing. The, yeah, right. Right? Yeah. yeah. The angry controly guy. Yeah, I guess. All right. So when where do you first start uh, engaging with the stage? Um, I went to Loose Moose Theater, and I, I you know, I'd, I'd in Calgary, been, yeah, in Calgary, and I'd, I'd been kind of a punk, and uh, certainly a uh, how punky? Were you in a band at that point? No, yeah. uh, all my friends were in bands. I, ne- I was never in a band, like hardcore kind of stuff, or yeah, or, the Husker yeah. Do and all that oh. would come and play the Calgarian all the time, or yeah. people like that. Um, but then I found comedy, and I, and it was like I found my religion. Really, when I went to see improv comedy. I was. You know, it was almost sexually attracted. Do you to remember the, to it? You were yeah. sexually almost like almost, uh, almost. He said, "Yeah, yeah." But you like? Who, do you remember who it was? Who like the, that you saw that was like? Oh, no, there's God. no. It, well, no. It, yeah, uh, the Tatino brothers. Oh, great! Yeah, sure, and they were fantastic. Sure. Yeah. They were like rock stars. Really? And then you'd see them in a restaurant after. It's like, wow, they eat in the same restaurants as us. Really? That's and their name. It was yeah, uh, Frank and Tony Tatino. They were improv guys. Yeah, and they're still doing it. And, really? Yeah, and it's. Uh, it was amazing. They were like, I couldn't believe how cool that whole thing was. What was the structure? It was like, uh, like how, how did it, like how did it go? Like, what year are we talking? Like eighty two, eighty three? Yeah, eighty three. And it would be it's theater sports. It's competitive. Oh, right. Okay, and yeah. you get thrown off the stage and all that. Right, stuff. right. So, but it was so it was competitive. Uh-huh. And I thought it was beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And it I is kind it of amazing. It is amazing. Yeah. And then when you see them do the same thing, the third show, yeah. you're like, oh, mm-hmm. well. Well, I think mm-hmm. it's a really great art form for a little bit when you're starting your your world, right? Well, I, I like I I think that's true, and I think that's one of the the things I always envied about you fellas, and and I imagine you, you know you find kindred spirit in the people you're working with now. What's the new show called? Tall Boys is that the name of the sketch comedy? Uh, yeah, that's the thing I'm doing for CBC right now. And that those that's a younger crew. It is a younger crew, um, and they're excellent. And you're the executive producer and director, yeah. And they come to you like a, a, a father figure and say like, we can't resolve this sketch. Can you help us? And you say, that, make make that voice funnier. Yeah, just or just get a better ending. <laughs> yeah. Like get a, what we call an idea for an idea. Yeah, just make it funnier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 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 what what I was saying was that there's um. There's something about improv where you like you you going into it. If that's your thing, you're like you're gonna be working with other people, and there's an ense- at least that there yeah. has to be some basic respect to you know for right. other folks and working in an ensemble. Whereas when you're a stand-up, you're like, I don't need anybody. Yeah, no, I'm, it's, going, I'm going out there alone. They're different. Know? They're different. And they they're, really are, and they're not as. I, I mean, now they're we're all as kind, but I don't think when you're young, you're as kind as improvisers are. No, because you, you just like you, you just build your own little wall, and you you got your own little world, and you condescend to everything. Everybody in a way. Oh yeah, and yeah. it's like, look out! Oh, yeah. old man, watch what I'm gonna do. Yeah. You know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can bomb. Oh, bombing! Yeah. So, so once you saw those guys, you got involved with improv sports. Yeah, right away. Yeah, and and then stopped dressing creatively because I didn't need to anymore, and um, just really found, you found, found my that, thing. Yeah, you found that transition. Like I don't need these. I didn't shoes. even know. I didn't yeah. even notice I was doing it, and then I just started wearing army pants around for. Two years. Because you'd found another way to define yourself yeah. that was more honest. Yeah. You didn't have to pretend. Yeah, it was. And I met Mark and all that. And it was like, oh my God. You met Mark in Calgary? Yep. 
Was he from there? Uh, no, he was there, I think, the university, and he worked for Dial-A-Bottle. <laughs> Dial-A-Bottle? Yeah. What is that? You phone, you phone, you take booze to boozers. <laughs> Dial-A-Bottle. Come on, That's Mark. That's a real thing? Don't act like you don't know what Dial-A-Bottle I'm is. Not, Come on, Mark. You Canadians are ahead of us in so many ways. <laughs> yeah, Dial-A-Bottle. Yeah, yeah, but it was that honest? That was shameless? Yeah. Like, you know, we know we don't want you to drive. You're probably well into it. Yeah, and you might only be 17, but... We'll bring you one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's the only, I guess after you, he's the only one that I haven't talked to uh, on the mic, that yeah. Mark. Oh, it's, I usually am the last. Really? People always collect, collect kids in the hall like Pokemons. It's like, you're the last one I've met. Oh, so no. Usually, everyone says, I know Dave. I went out with Dave. Now well, everyone knows Dave. Yeah. yeah, yeah then, you used to see him around a lot. Yeah, and then here's me. I'm just like, you can't and Kevin, there was the Kevin McDonald debacle. Did you hear about that? Which one? Where I had the wrong Kevin McDonald. Oh, you didn't. Who was the wrong? Oh, the, the, the film director. The film director. Well, I was expecting, it was a horrendous day. In the way that, like, you know, I was expecting Kevin, your right. Kevin, to show right. up. And then this guy shows up who and I didn't know at all. You didn't know what the fuck to Nothing. <laughs> yeah. And I scramble out to the garage to do a quick bit of research. That's hilarious. And hey, you uh, did that when I arrived. Yeah, I did. Because yeah. I thought the other Bruce McCullough the was coming, Bruce McCullough. The, uh, the guy who works at the Lowe's Hardware. Yeah. Hey, do you know that Scott Thompson uh, and Carrot Top are the same? I do have, know that they have, they have the, the same, same name. name. Yeah. And, you know, and <clears throat> there was a period there where I'd occasionally get texts from both of them. Right. Uh, because I, I knew Caratop because I interviewed him, and, and he would always send these really horrendous uh, uh, you know, pornographic pictures like once a year. And I'd be like, why is Scott Thompson kids in the hall sending me this? <laughs> uh, you know, it wouldn't be unusual yes. for him to, yeah. but I, I didn't expect yeah. him to. Yeah. And it wasn't him. Yeah. It was Scott Thompson. Was that the bane of anyone's existence that they had the same No, name? no, I, I not at all. I thought it was funny. So Mark McKenney and you are hanging out. Yep. Here's the weird thing about all he is. Yeah. You all got this perverse darkness <laughs> somewhere lurking. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's yeah. a real uh, even the nice ones like yeah, Dave. Yeah, yeah. Wait, is he the nice one or is Kevin really the nice one? Oh, Kevin's nice, but he, you know we always say he's the he's the worst in oh, some yeah. way. Like because like you know he says, well, when you're out of my sight, I'll forget you immediately. Like oh, he's, oh, he's he's like, oh, I'm the worst. You know, yeah, yeah. He's, so he's sort of uh, right. I but guess. they're they're the nice ones. Him him and Dave were the kind ones. Yeah, and Dave is a very kind man as well. Yeah, Mark seems a little menacing. No, he's kind. Like, we've all become kind, but he, you know, he- We're well, can... Canadian, so it's going to built in a little yeah. bit. But he can drive, Mark can drive you crazy. He'll, like, change, if you were interviewing him, yeah. he would change the time seven times, and then it would change back to the original time. What do you he, mean time? He, just activity. Like, oh. he's, he's well, I need more information. Right. You know, <laughs> I just need, just a guy who needs more information. He's a, he, he dodges. And I think I grew up in a way in, in reaction to him. So it's like, no, we're going. We're going to Toronto. We're going to New York. We're going to. And he was like, ah. Oh, can, we, can we think about it a couple more years? <laughs> so. <laughs> I knew his brother, Nick. Yeah. How's that guy doing? Uh, he's pretty good. He was going to, hey, he was going to do a documentary on Kids in the Hall. Hey, Nick, where's our documentary? Well, Paul Myers just wrote a book on you, right? Yeah, he did. And did uh, did you like the book? I did not read it, because that's the way I am, right? That's how I'm weird that way. Did he talk to you? Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, very thorough, very good guy. He's a friend of ours. Yeah, no, no. Uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's a good guy. And he's a very good guy. People uh, seem to quite like the book, and they like it for the things you've probably been talking to me about, which is that it has some relationship to, like, our weird path, like how we were formed, which I, I'm always interested in. Well, you're in, in good company. I mean, he's written a couple books, but it's like you and Todd Rundgren. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I, don't, I barely understand Todd Rundgren. No, I, yeah. Him and Zappa, they're just in, and Hawkwind, they're all in just this weird world. <laughs> they are, man. Hawkwind, I didn't come to Hawkwind. I didn't even know Hawkwind existed till like eight years ago. Wow. 
where were you? And you should have should have called me up. I would have told you. <laughs> yeah, Hawkwind exists. Okay, how'd you get this number? Yeah, there's 90 <laughs> records. Yeah, here's the one you should start with. <laughs> yeah, start with the 13th. <laughs> yeah, here's the two with Lemmy on them. Yeah. Go there and see how it spreads out. But they're one of those bands where it's like now they're still going, and there's like what one member left and that kind of thing. Yeah, I think he's the original roadie. Right. <laughs> it's just the, the only original yeah. member is the, uh, the, 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 the sort of the, 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 the name on the bass drum. Right. The, uh, so you and Mark are, were you, so you're there in Calgary. Yep. Uh, but he, he was, he was sort of punky too, or was he an oddball then? He or was he... more an oddball, I mm. think. Um, tall. I don't really know what he was into, like weird sweaters. He was like a theater guy, oh, right? right? And right. we were always like, oh, Mark's taking theater, acting classes. <laughs> He's not going to be funny anymore, <laughs> but he just got funnier. He did. Yeah. He's like, he, he works primarily as an actor. Yeah. That's yeah. like He's what on he Superstore does. now. Yeah. 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 So, so what do you guys do? You guys, do you do a team thing? How does it start? We start, and there was other people involved. We started doing a thing called late night comedy, which was after in Calgary after theater sports. We'd write a few things, oh. you know, naked for Jesus or whatever, and like just naked for Jesus. Yeah, that was just one of my scenes. But we would we would just do them uh, in the for the audience after theater sports, and then people started coming just for our show and we were we were it was it was odd that it happened to us we were yeah. successful very quickly which the two we, of you well there was a, f- a few other guys it's called late night comedy so there's about five of us what happened to those guys um they're around norm hiscock who worked on all kind you know he he's works on um brooklyn 99 a bunch of shows and uh, uh there's a few other people and you guys well. are like 18 19 years old yeah 19 20 yeah and uh and like it's it, so hiscock is here yeah and uh, the other guys, you don't know. Uh, no, they're around. Frank yeah. Van Keeken's working in Canada, and Gary Campbell works in Canada. And it's weird, know. Canada. Like if you just hang out, yeah, and you you stay relatively funny, you you get a job. Yeah, well, I, for a while. Yeah, for a while. I, I was in CBC. <laughs> I said, "Well, I'm back. What are you going to do with me? Got to do something." <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was a kid in the hall. <laughs> yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm a legend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it, when do you hit the wall in Calgary where you realize like it's not going to happen here? Well, it, it did happen there. We were selling out, and I said, "Oh, it's time to go to Toronto." Yeah, yeah. Toronto I, was the the goal. Yeah, well, I want to go there because the Damned played there as well, uh-huh. you know. But yeah, it was yeah. like, no, we have to go to Toronto. But never, you, like, it's funny because that's a reality. And when you're Canadian, you don't think like we got to go to Hollywood. You got to go to Toronto. No, never even crossed my mind. Right. Yeah. No, you just got to go to Toronto because it was the coolest city. My older friends were out there. Yeah. Already. So you and Mark, did, uh, I picture you, you load up a car. I actually you... went out first, and he told me to find him a an apartment <laughs> with a fireplace that cost two hundred dollars a month. That's that's how Mark <laughs> McKinney can drive you crazy. <laughs> did you do it? No, I couldn't find him one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got a friend coming. He needs an apartment with a fireplace for two hundred dollars a month. Wait, what so... is this Europe? <laughs> so, all right, so you go alone. And you scope out the scene? Yeah, and we started, you know, there was there was Second City and there was Yuck Yucks then, and we just started doing our own thing, uh, and we were very unsuccessful for a very long time. You and Mark? Yeah, and other other people. And then that's when we met Kevin and Dave there. Yeah. And started doing shows with them. Yeah, I, I think I picked up some of the history of the kids, but I, I, you know, from whoever I talked to, probably Scott and Dave. Right. But not, uh, but not you and Mark's history. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So when Mark shows up, you're already in with the guys? Yeah, yeah. And Mark, you know, Mark and I work together all the time. Like, we love to be together on stage, you know. So yeah. it, it formed from way back. Yeah. And, and like, uh, so when it finally took shape, 
Where would you? Were you guys working? Where was the theater? Where was the one that that you know? We were in the. We went to the Rivoli, which was like an alternative rock club. Yeah, like it was in Queen Street West. It was the cool, cool place. Yeah, and we didn't do well for a very long period of time, and then the kids. Yeah, and then eventually we. Were there originally on. like twelve of you? There, no, there was like five was, uh, different other guys, and they sort of went and got jobs, and you know they weren't. They weren't didn't stay in entertainment. Yeah, no, they did. They just did other things. They were just yeah. like, enough of us. Right. Yeah, and uh, and then you took off. We ultimately just took off. But, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, everyone's history is like, you know, oh, it, oh he, and then Lorne Michaels found them. Like, it took forever. It felt like it took forever. Yeah. You know, as a young man, it takes, you know, your your time is so important. It's been six months. Yeah. You know, now it's like six months. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I did a pilot. Oh, it's not going. Okay, I'll see you again next year. <laughs> you know? yeah. I got my money for a year. That's right. It's weird that you still think that way when you get, are in this business. It's sort of like, all right, how much, how long is this money going to yeah, last? Yeah, I know. And yeah. there's never a point where you're like, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, I can I can coast now. I'm for done. A while. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So okay. So eventually, well, I mean, we don't have to. We can. We don't have to fast forward. But you you did. Lauren Michaels did find you. You produced a show, and then it didn't. Did it become a hit here immediately? Um, no, I think it just, you know, Comedy Central follow. was just starting then. Right. And, well, we were on HBO initially, but I think repetition helped us, I think. They just played it all the time, all right, the time. Right, when I was there, like, what year are we talking? Because I, I hosted Short Attention Span Theater in 92. Right. And they were all done by then, because I know that Nick McKenney had his sketch show on. Right. What was that, Lot 57? What was, it, what was his called? Vacant Lot? Yeah, Vacant Lot, yeah. So that was in production, I think, when I was there. So you guys were kind of the old men already. Yeah, we were done. You were done already. We were out of there, yeah. So who were you dealing with over there initially? So Lauren did it for HBO, and you did how many on HBO? Uh, Well, we did, uh, I think, two seasons. I mean, we did five seasons in total. But in both places. Yeah, but it took forever, you know, because yeah. we wrote most of the stuff. So our seasons would be like 14, 15 months long. Yeah. Yeah, but we were burnt out. Mark was the only guy who wanted to go on. Really? Yeah. And he went, that's why he went to Saturday Night Live. It's like, huh. oh, I still like sketch comedy, you know? But that was after the movie debacle? Um, yeah, kind of at the, sort of at the same time, yeah. So, like, what happened with that? With Brain Candy? Yeah. Well, Because you guys have always been a cult following, and you know, there's, like, definitely kids in the hall, fanatics, and people who love you forever. I imagine now, like, you have, uh, you know, boys and girls who are in their 50s. Right. You know, <laughs> who are still kind of dressing like they're in their 30s, <laughs> coming up to you going, oh, yes. hi. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Goth girls with daddy issues. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but now they're 50. Yeah. 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 But daddy issues don't go away, Mark. Don't you know yeah, that? I yeah. know. They, they just turn into other things. Yeah. Usually it's, yeah. you know, food or drinking. <laughs> <and you're... laughs> or, or collecting weird dolls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like cats. But, uh, but like, what, like, the, the movie, in, in retrospect, what happened with it? Like, because I, I know there, there was the Cancer Boy debacle. Yeah. Where I played Cancer Boy and I had to talk, I had to talk the guy who had financed the movie, which wasn't Paramount, it was somebody else, uh, into keeping Cancer Boy. And I talked to him for about two hours. Yeah. And then I started to cry and I said, this is important to me because my mom died of cancer. Is that true? No. Because <laughs> we just talked about it. My, still alive. Yeah, because my yeah. job was to get Cancer Boy in the movie. So you, I did whatever were... it took. But because it was just a fight to be fought or you believed in it so much? I was. I feel like I was sent by the troop to do it and I was the guy. I'm the pugilist. So everyone was on board. We yeah, can, everyone was on board. We can't lose Cancer Boy. Yeah, but it was. And then Lauren said, well, you just lost the war because they're pulling all the ad money. You know, so- Lauren would, produced the movie? Yeah. So now what, like, let's talk about that because I've had those kind of things where you're like, I'm doing something. You knew the thing worked. Had you done it live? 
Uh, we didn't know it worked. I know we hadn't done it. We had done it in the show. And it was called, they wouldn't call him, let us call him Cancer Boy on CBC. We had to call him Dying Kid, which yeah. is actually worse. Yeah. Because cancer, you can yeah, come back might, from. You might bounce back. <laughs> but not he Dying Kid. Made it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not Dying Kid. Yeah. So we, but we just, we were fighting for our thing, you know? It, it's so funny, isn't it? When you look back on it, out of all the things you have, out of all the characters you all did, you're going to put it all on the line for, for Cancer, cancer Boy. Boy. Yeah. And it was important. It was really important because I'm a punk and I, like that was like, and I, t- I took so much from the troupe in a certain way. Like I wouldn't let anybody dress me. So I wouldn't, we were, weren't, weren't on the cover of GQ because I wouldn't let, I wouldn't wear a suit. Uh-huh. There wasn't one that I brought from a thrift shop. I understand that. And it was like, I had to be that way. And it was like, ah, oh, wow, you weren't a lot of fun. I had, I had very strict punk rules, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I- Authentic. Yeah. And I was, you know, if, if I really knew myself, I could have probably just worn a suit and been on GQ to let the other guys, feel, you know, wanted to do Did it. Did they all get dressed? Did they all let them get dressed? No, it was, you know, you can't do it if you're all not doing it. Oh really? Yeah, Bruce isn't wearing a suit. So we can't we all got to wear our own clothes or we're no, not going to no, no, there's no GQ cover. <laughs> Thanks Bruce. <laughs> Fuck another one. But Great. you stood together. Yeah, we did. Yeah, I, I think not always like oh, what's oh my god, he goes on and on. What are they going on about? Him and Mark, what are they going on about? Yeah. So many opinions. You put it up with it. Yeah. And that's what kind of eventually broke you. I don't know if it broke us. I think, you know, w- we love each other. We're kind to each other. I think we just you just get worn out like bands get worn out sure but okay so the cancer boy thing so you go to the mats for that thing yeah and they keep it in the movie and, yeah. and you, you did that with the with the producer of the film and then paramount was like no we're well whoever yeah we, yeah we're not doing it. so uh and then lauren says yeah lost <laughs> yeah yeah we sort of lost the war we won the battle you know but it's <laughs> was like he a, behind cancer boy uh lauren? i think he he was he was wonderful actually in letting us do what we were gonna do yeah and so he wouldn't i don't think he would he would go you pull pull cancer boy from the fucking film it's so yeah. obvious like i think he probably wanted to say that but he really was wonderful in letting us have our own our own way he trusted us somehow and it's like oh it was our career to f up you know yeah do you have any regrets about cancer boy i uh not really yeah i I, I, i'd want both things i wish and i I honestly don't think the film would have been much more successful even if we had more ad money it's such a weird little piece yeah you know and it was more fraught with what we were going through so it was a very kind of a sad movie in some ways yeah you know and i think that's what it felt like it wasn't you you couldn't hide the sadness no i think you you were able to you know for for your entire career is kind of like uh um what's the word that i want alchemically take darkness and make it into flowers yeah and now the darkness was pervasive no it was weeds now yeah, yeah. I, I remember saying to kevin um even if this film makes 200 million dollars it won't be worth it you know as as they had uh, we had a call sheet that said all calls add seven hours it's like i've never seen a call sheet like that really because <laughs> it was just like crazy. you couldn't really yeah you, was, like you couldn't land on something well no no we were just in so many characters and they're scrubbing your face in the middle of the night and you had to go from alice to grievo and you're just exhausted you're yeah. exhausted and okay so that so after that you all kind of were like you there was no volatility that i mean there was no bad blood no i think we were tired of each other and then when we finally came back at 2000 in 2000 we did some live shows yeah and it was like oh i guess we'll do them yeah you know and it was sort of begrudging yeah and then it was like wow people 
you know, and we sold well and fast. Yeah. You know, and people are happy to see you yeah. again. And it was, it's actually more interesting because like now we don't sell like that. And it's like, we got to try to sell tickets. Milwaukee's soft, <laughs> you know, it, and it's, it's better. It brings you closer. You right? mean now? Yeah. Like yeah. The last, when would you, when was the last time you did it? Uh, I think uh, three years ago. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. But it was sort of a big deal still, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We still fill a hall, but yeah. you know, they're not like, before it was like, oh my, how many shows can we add? We're doing five in Vancouver. Like, well, no. that's the thing about the, the the blues guy thing. Yeah, is that like you know, if the people that were your fans from when they were kids, they're all in their forties now, probably at least. Yeah, right. So they're like, I can't get out to see the guys. Yeah, I got a life. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. can't get a sitter. Can't you know? I can't get off my couch. Whatever the fuck it is, yeah. it's different when they're grown ups. Yeah. It's, and sometimes they come, sometimes they don't. Yeah. Like, I remember I loved Lou Reed. Sometimes I'd go see him, sometimes I wouldn't, you know? Yeah, did yeah. you see Lou a few times? Yeah, a few times. And Iggy, I loved the, I died Oh, man, I saw Iggy once in Florida just on a fluke. I think he had just moved down there, and I was visiting my mother, and he was playing some club that only had seated 200 people. And it like they, they announced it. I don't even know how we heard about it. Right. I'm like, we got to fucking go. It was great. Well, I remember in Toronto, or in Calgary, I saw him, and his band left on him. And then the, the end, so he just did like an encore. Like the drummer came back and he was just like playing drums and doing an encore. It was like crazy, but it was, it was so wild. Was he climbing the walls? And he was doing all that stuff, yeah. He's something else. Yeah. I talked to him uh, in the old garage. Right. Yeah, he, like he, we came out on, uh, he came out on the deck and we were about to go in the garage and he was like, oh, I just need to, and he's stretching and then right. the shirt comes off. Right. And he's, I sat with right. him across wow. from him with the shirt why, off. Why the shirt? Did you ask him why the shirt off? Do you really need to ask him? I mean, oh, you think you're going to no. I don't know. It's just, it's just Iggy. Like, right. you know, I think it has something, it might've had something to do with, it's weird because he's got to occupy Iggy Pop and Jim Osterberg. And right. Jim Osterberg, you know, Henry Rollins made, he makes a distinction. Right. That, you know, you're either talking to Iggy or you're talking to Jim. Right. And I think that maybe he wanted to start as Iggy, but I got Jim eventually, right. which was good. Good. Because Jim's a very smart man. Right. And well, that's good to know. I, he meant so much to me as a young man. I was listening. Oh, you never listened to him talk? Uh, no, I don't think I have, really. He's very intelligent, and right. his memory is like a steel drum, dude. I mean, like, right. you're like, you make these assumptions about certain people that you respect, certainly right. musicians. Like, when Keith Richards wrote that book, I was like, "What the fuck?" Oh no, I I couldn't believe it. And also, well, I'm I'm an, I'm a bit obsessed with the Stones as well, and I've read lots of books about Love the Stones. Beggar's Banquet or whatever. It's oh, like yeah. he is fastidious. Yeah. We all think he's always just out there blasted playing his guitar. No, he works so hard on this yeah, stuff, and he's like very intellectual. And you know, it, it was like it was opened up. It was like such a lesson in misjudgment. I know, without question, I felt. But way. then, when you really think back on it, or you even think about it as a grown up, it's like. Of course he's fucking smart. How the hell can you stay a, the stones for as long as they have? Right. Keep generating, keep getting your shit together. Like, you know, there's no number of people that can just wheel those guys out. They're not that kind of band. They right. got to be sharp as fuck. And they have to come together in a way too, which is I really respect about him. When they tour and stuff, it's like, he's not going out to like be the Beach Boys and like, Who's playing the hits? They have to come together as a as a unit. Oh yeah, and you go if you go see him, you, you, especially at the beginning of a tour, which I did last time. I've only seen him like twice in my life, but I went to see the last tour, like the first show, and it took him a couple songs, right? To you know, sort right. of like, oh, are they gonna, yeah, they're gonna line up, and they do, right? They, they did. It's they're really playing. Yeah, it's pretty wonderful. So how do we get here? Uh, oh, uh, I remember uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. touring, like yeah. you know, as we get older. 
I like this whole yeah, idea. Yeah, I had compared that. myself to the Rolling Stones. No, I had not. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Kids in the Hall were the Pixies. We've always said that. I just listened to Doolittle the other day. Right. All the way through. Yeah. What a great band. What a great band. Did you know them? Uh, I didn't. I wish I'd met them. Mm. I'm sure Dave has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's met everybody. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, he's out in the world. Yeah, he's out he's in the world. I'm not. Yeah, having yeah. a few cocktails. Yeah. Not anymore. It's done? Yeah. How long? A uh, few years. Wow. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, he's Does looking he... great. He's doing great. Does he feel better? He must feel better. Ah, probably in worse. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen him in a while. I should uh, check in with yeah, him. Yeah, get Dave in here. But you were friends with Gord Dowdy, Downey, too, Very right? good friends, yeah. Did I say his last name right? Downey. Yeah. Downey, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, sorry for your loss. Well, thank you. And, I, you know, and I'm sad that, like, because there was a, a little bit of momentum trying to get me to talk to him, but I just, right. I didn't know the work that much, and I would have felt like I would have done wow. a disservice. He is, he was such an amazing guy. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if you know, he's did so much work with the First Nations people yeah. at the end of his life. But when I saw, I saw their last tour, it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen in my life. I wish I grew up with it. I wish I knew the music it, better. I actually, in a one-man show I'm doing now, I actually do something which I don't normally do. I share, because we're very good friends, I share a bunch of our late night emails that we sent back and forth oh. that are both very savage, very funny. You know, when they go on tour, I say, oh, this is clearly a ploy to make money. Um, but I misspelled it. Yeah. It was plow to make money. It's like, great, he's got, he's got fucking brain cancer and he's got to figure out my non sequitur. So it's really, it's really wonderful for the audience that they, uh, you know. When did they start? Uh, they started about when we did. Uh-huh. Uh, so they were, you know, we, we were very parallel to them in many ways. And they were gigantic, you know. And, yeah. Gigantic. And I, I was actually at Atlantic Records at the same time as them. They, they, by mistake, sent me their contract. Oh, is that true? <laughs> yeah, but I didn't look at it. It's like cool. the Kevin McDonald yeah. problem that yeah. I had. Yeah, yeah. you just got there. How, yeah. Why? Just because it was in, on the Canadian set? Yeah, I guess it was. Yeah. <laughs> but how, how um, like, because I guess I didn't really, like, you know, I, I turn, it turns out when I really sit down and think about it, I'm a lot more out of touch than I think I am. But they were definitely probably bigger in Canada, right? Oh, without quite. They, they play Maple Leaf Gardens three nights. How know? big is that place? 18,000. Jeez. Yeah, they play any any place. Oh man, wanted. it's so sad. Yeah. How old was he? Uh, he was um, fifty six. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah, and such a good guy. Yep. And well, that's interesting in the show. So you like because I've noticed that a bit lately with people um, of our generation, right. the bluesmen. Yep. Like uh, Adam Sandler, and even I watched uh, Springsteen's One Man Show. Yep. He's a little older, but yep. they're they're definitely taking time to do tributes in right. a way. Yeah, you know, Sandler talked about uh, Farley, right? And Springsteen talked about Clarence Clemens. But like, it's definitely yeah. a piece of the show. Yeah, where you kind of honor a lost friend. Yeah, and what is the new One Man Show? Uh, it's just called Tales of Bravery and Stupidity. It's just the weird shit I've done in my life. Yeah, which is probably sometimes to get material. Like I, I, you know, do you consciously do that? No. Well, I, you know, it's like my wife says, "Oh, let's go to Pismo Beach for the weekend." And there's the sea vista looks really crappy, and I yeah. think, yeah, maybe we'll go there. It could be a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and of course, you find a dirty diaper in the sea vista. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so it's like good. So it's just, uh, you know, I love gold. Sto- it's I love gold. Yeah, I love storytelling. You know, yeah. as much as more than stand up, where you kill them. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's that stuff. Yeah, I mean, there used to that was one of those weird lines that you know I, I had to cross at some point where you, you know. Th- when I was a younger man, where you, before I, I ended up desperately doing one person shows at right. one point in my career, where it's sort of like, that's nah, a cop out. Right. Just can't, you know, got the goods. Yeah. You just got to, you know, lengthen it out and you don't have to worry about laughs. Right. But you did stand up and you say that we met. Uh, yeah, I on think a at um, the poor, uh, poor Alex. No, at, uh, sorry, Steve Allen. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you did stand up there. Yeah. And uh, you did 12 uh, uh, M's of C, minutes of comedy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and did you, you didn't, you didn't like stand up or you? I, I like stand up and I still do it. You, you know? do? I'm going to do it next week with Ke- at Kevin's show, Toronto. Um, but Kevin yeah. McDonald? Yeah. I, I, I like stand up, but I, it's sometimes nice to be in a theater, mm. you know? And people there to just to see you. Yeah, I remember I did uh, without the pressure. I did the improv with Janine a few years ago. Yeah, and I thought oh, I've worked my whole life to go to have people come see me who know me, mm. and here I am at the improv, and no like one a Fifty-year-old woman celebrating her birthday, oh, yeah. drunk at the table. It's like, eh, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's like that's the other thing that's weird about like about doing it now that I finally after you, you know two decades. You can you know have enough fans to to sell a theater out? Right. Uh, I still feel like it's part of my job as a comic to go into a place where uh, at least a third of the room doesn't right. fucking know me yeah. and do the job. Yeah, I I think it's noble. I actually do. I think it's cool. You know, win them over. Yeah. But then, like midway into that set, you're like, I don't really care about people. <laughs> what? And I have to do a show after this? <laughs> yeah. What's no, that? I don't mind that. But it's just sort of like you, that. Even though there's the people that don't know me, some of them I can feel like they still don't care. And it's sort of like, right. all right, fine. That's, I don't care if you don't care. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the next guy will be fun for yeah. you. Hopefully, yeah. it'll be your cup of tea. Yeah, I remember I did stand-up not too long ago. And then I thought I was pretty funny. And then Tom Papa went on. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's I'm funny, but then there's Tom Papa. It's a whole other thing. There's He's a, tight, man. Oh, and it's just chemically so different. He's got, it just The whole audience comes. Yeah. like um, He's raising his arms. Yeah, like, yeah. they just go crazy. He's got tight craft, that yeah, Papa. Yeah. Yeah, he's on top of it. Yeah. Not a missing beat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything is honed. Yeah. Each beat, yeah. each word. Yeah, he's a great comic. So the one man show now. Do you uh, are you doing it in, just in Canada? I'm or? doing it in Canada now. I'll do I'll do some dates in the states. Are you afterwards. doing like a run? You got a theater? You doing? I, like... I touring around. Oh, you don't yeah. have a like. You're not just at one place. No, for a I, month? I no. I that's too hard. Yeah. <laughs> to do to do a month somewhere. Okay, so now after the kids, like let's talk about this uh, this this L.A. period, right? Because I always knew, you, you know, that uh, the other guys were more visible, but you right. were working a lot behind the camera and, and you, you became that guy. Yeah. I, you know, I, I directed a few films and I think I think the last part of my career, I kind of got caught in a success trap, which was I'm, I probably did 15 pilots for like NBC. You, oh, know, you were doing the development uh, doing, thing. Doing the thing. And it's like, oh, great. I sold it in the room. Like, and then I sold another one the next day. And it's like. And then you realize, oh, they're just, they don't make m- most of them. Yeah. And, and then so I'd get paid out and people go, where, where have you been? Oh, I've been working. Uh, yeah, I did one day on Arrested Development. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like. <laughs> well, that's what people think. What, yeah. Regular people, they're like, yeah. he must not be doing well. I've seen, he shows up every five years as a bit player. Yeah. On, <laughs> yeah. And a, well, I never, like, I never did any, tried to, I never saw it in the acting or any of that stuff. So it was all You like, didn't? No, I just, and I've always thought of myself as a writer anyway. So. You know, like, like there's four very talented guys in the kids in the hall, and then there's a guy with a jumbo head who won't uh, stand still, and that's me. But you're very memorable. All your characters were memorable. Like when you were coming over, like I was like, I know that guy because I remember, right. you know, like it, you were definitely an actor and a comedic performer. Well, I'm good in the kids in the hall. I, you know, I don't know if I'm always good and I would always be good in something else. Yeah. You know? So you, that was something you just admitted to yourself or, or yeah. that well, you I didn't think seek about it out. I, like, it's so interesting. I could go into a room and sell a show to 10 NBC executives. Yeah. 
but I can't audition. No. I just didn't want, I did one when I came here and Bobcat Goldthwait was there. I thought, I don't want to be in another waiting room with Bobcat <laughs> Goldthwait. Neither of us are going to get it. That's the same thing that, uh, <laughs> that's the same thing that uh, stopped you from letting them dress you for the GQ cover. I guess, yeah. They're sort of like, you know, how do I hold on to my strange ego-based yeah. integrity? Yeah, yeah. Like, why, why do I, I like, because we're all so fragile. That that sort of weird resistance, so I'm going to wear my own clothes. It's like, I don't need to go sit there and have my identity destroyed in a room full of people that are kind of like me, waiting to do the one that, that I didn't even create. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, these words don't make any sense to me. Right. Yeah. It's uh, it's humiliating. Yeah, I someone can say these words, or someone else can say these words. That's what I always think. I don't know. I could, or someone else. <laughs> yeah, could. yeah, Maybe probably better than you me. Get the other guy to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't need to go. For it. But you did find your way into directing, and that yep. was just a natural evolution, or because like it seems like that's one of those things. If you do a good job and you're nice to people, uh, that you keep getting work. Yeah, um, I did it. Um, I started doing it with during the kids in the hall because I did see past the kids in the hall, and I thought I need a job after this. I'm right. not going to be getting another series. I don't want to do another series. Right. So I and I was I was always been the guy who was obsessed with the music and the extras and the thing and the thing. So it was sort of natural. Yeah. And I I was out of it for a while and then now I sort of, you know, I did a show called Young Drunk Punk where I Canadian show? Yeah. I had I had actually done a a a, a pilot with uh, Bill Burr and Kevin Hart just before Kevin broke at Comedy Central and I kind of had wished I had directed it. Um, just because it was the communication and, and you wrote it, uh, I wrote it with them. Yeah, and then uh, you were one of those guys. Who are like, we're going to set you up with a writer. Yeah, you know Bruce. Yeah, yeah. It's that stuff. That yeah. stuff. Uh, he, uh, we need an adult in the room. Yeah. Um, but uh, so when I did Young Drunk Punk, I started. I di- I wanted to direct it, so I directed it, and then I started doing a little bit more. Um, it's like, oh, hey, I actually really like directing. Yeah. You know, because I had done, you know, I'd done Superstar and a couple of, and then I did the Tom Green movie where that gave my career a heart attack. <laughs> you yeah. know, did it? Uh, yeah. Uh, Stealing Harvard, uh-huh. which uh, again made $32 million in cost, whatever. <laughs> um, and so I, I, I went through that Hollywood thing, which I didn't know that I was in uh, film jail. And my my agent wouldn't tell me <laughs> that I wasn't going to get yeah. another job, and so for a long time because it tanked. Yeah, and I because I and now I did. I, I want to be a film director. They can't throw me out. Yeah, and then I was beating my head against the wall, and then I sort of moved into writing pilots and doing TV. But you directed like you did like uh, you did worked on Schitt's Creek, Schitt's Creek, Trail Park Nine, Boys. Yeah, Trailer Park Boys, amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I'm I'm going to direct all this uh, this uh, series I'm doing now. And what was the what was the last series you did up in Canada? Was it Young Drunk Punk? Uh, yeah, I did. I did another thing called This Blows, which is about a girl who um, she gets hit by a car, and then now she can blow things up when she gets angry. Sort of a sci-fi thing. <laughs> How'd that go? Over? Uh, it was good. It was a digital thing, but it was really wonderful. And yeah. Was, yeah uh, my friend's kids were in it, so, ah. so that was. So you keep working. Oh, I work a lot. Yeah. Was there a period here where you were just sort of like, "What's going to happen now?" Kind of. Well, uh, but also when you sell a pilot, you make your money for the year, right? <clears throat> and then it's like, "Oh, in January 9th, year's year's over." Okay, I guess I guess I'm go out. They don't again. need. Yeah, I'll go out in August again. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. So what did you do with the, that time? Just family time and just family. Yeah. Walk, run, whatever yeah. you know, do stuff. And but been, I'm always writing or doing and something. You, you and your wife been together since for 20 years. Oh, yeah. And the kids are now one starting high school. And... Yeah, 12 and 14. Wow. Yeah. So you just like kind of dug in and just dug in. Yeah. Created a family because I came from a shitty one. Yeah, and you're doing it better. <laughs> I th- I feel I am. <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't. No one could do it worse. <laughs> And what about the the music career? Again, I was like, oh, I'm not going to go tour with my record. You know, that was a funny record. Yeah, I did a couple actually, but uh, I like, couldn't find the second one. Uh, well, the Drunk Baby Project. No, right? Brought it over for you. Yeah, I would have liked it on vinyl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But the other one was funny. And yeah. that got, you know, like, people liked it. No, people really liked it. I, yeah. was, I was happy with it, yeah. What was that one called? Shame-Based Man. Who did the cover art on that? Uh, his name is Marshall Erisman. That's quite a, it's, like, disturbing and yeah, good. Yeah, he, he's an Esquire uh, cartoonist or not illustrator and i had bought a couple of his pieces mm-hmm. that i'd seen in the magazine yeah. and it's like i want him to do it and, I was like, and he did it yeah isn't that exciting when and i went to a studio in new york and yeah. i was like and i loved it yeah. yeah that's the best thing painting yeah it's it's always good to 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 enjoy the art of somebody that does is working in a medium that has nothing to do with you and you can't do it oh no i well that's why i love music I, yeah. you know but it's like he yeah it's amazing it's like and that's the best thing marshall Arisman did my cover yeah. Yeah. And did, but that was like, do you see that? That was a comedy record, really, right? Yeah. And it was uh, kind of, and it was kind of, it's kind of spoken word. Yeah. A little bit of that stuff. I, I don't smell many. Yeah. <laughs> spoken yeah. word. I don't smell many. <laughs> <laughs> that was my Kevin McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that was good. So, you, uh, so how long have you been in Toronto now? Uh, just four months. And does it feel like I'm home? Thank God. I'm no, home. it's complicated. There's there's no right decision. You know, it's like I it, like that city though. Yeah, it's a great city, but it's you know, and I'm Canadian. Yeah, you know, so it's we had to, I had to get my kids back there. Yeah, I didn't want them to be soft in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah, yeah. And and are any of the other kids up there just Kevin or uh, Scott's back and forth? Um, uh, Mark's there sometimes, but he's always doing. Uh, Superstore here. So, yeah. So, but everybody's sort of, and Dave's here. Dave's here. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys talk? Oh yeah, we, uh, we'll be doing something soon. We don't, you know, we keep talking about it. But yeah, but the last tour a few years ago, it was good enough to do it again. Yeah, and I think what I mean, we've been talking about doing a, a sketch show for a long time now, um, and I think we'll end up doing it. Really? The, yeah. With all you guys yeah, in it? Yeah. All the original members. People always ask us when we do a show, are they all the original members? Yeah. Who's it going to be? Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's not like yeah. Harlan Williams as yeah. Bruce McCullough. Bill Wyman doesn't want to travel anymore. <laughs> Harlan Williams, <laughs> but like, how would you do it? Like the like in this, it's weird because I, I started thinking about it, and we were talking about it earlier. This aging thing is, I like, I don't feel bad, but you know, you can like, I I was fortunate in that whatever relevance I accumulated, which was not nearly as big as you guys, happened when I was in my mid forties, right? Which is which was great, right? Thank God I pulled it off. But even now, after ten years. Of, of of my marginal relevance, I'm starting to, <laughs> I'm starting to think like you know, is it done? Am I you right. know, where, where does it go? When do you know it's time to stop? If you can, well, you have to keep going. Yeah, this you is just what do. we learned. Yeah, yeah. Now, when you in thinking about approaching another kids in the hall project, are you, you would call it the kids in the hall again? Yeah. Yeah, we, and, we should call it hee-haw too. Is that what you're suggesting, Mark? Well, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> no, I'm just yeah. saying, like it's the original guys, but they're doing a new thing. Well, we'd be doing sketches, so it's a sketch is a sketch, right? Yeah. A song is a song. Would you do you think you'd approach it differently and and be more age appropriate? Well, we'd have to be. I mean, we have to play. <laughs> You know, we don't we don't play debutantes anymore. You know, we play old, old, old billowy, billowy ladies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I know when when we when we did uh, uh, Death Comes to Town, our miniseries that we had done. It's like I remember looking at the footage, going, "Oh, we really are older. We really are really, really older." Right? Yeah, I have that moment in the mirror some days. Yeah. Some days you you know because you see yourself all the time, and you're like, "There I am," and then one day you're like, "No, oh, it's happening." Yeah, I remember yeah. once I'd written all, all night, and I looked at my face, and I said, "Oh, there is my fifty-year-old face." Yeah, and I, right. Yeah, and I was in my early forties, I think. Yeah, yeah, there is my fifty-year-old uh, face. That's how it's going to be. Yeah. Well, I thought this went well. Do you? I thought it was it was wonderful, and I didn't want to tell you what a fan I am of this podcast because you would have not uh, interviewed me. 
That's not true. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 the only th- the only thing that happens sometimes when people are fans is that they produce the show in their head. Right. Like, and they're, they're like, oh, this is yeah. where you can ask yeah. me about yeah. my dad. And, right. Oh, okay, so this right. is the part where you, yeah. know, you go, who are your guys? And Yeah. I didn't have to do that with you. Well, good. I, who I, are your guys, though? What do you mean? I mean, you know, like uh, the people that inspired you the most outside of the, the brothers. Um, I don't know. Not, we no, talked about it musically. Really. The yeah, it's, it's just all more musically. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, in, in Iggy, The Dam. Yeah, all those Tragically people. Hip. Yep. And, uh, but like, who was the one that blew your mind the first time? Was it T-Rex? Uh, well, I still remember uh, when they put on uh, God Saves the Queen and the, was, I still remember that feeling at the back of my neck, like ecstasy was coming for me. It, yeah. uh, I'll never forget that. Yeah. How, how that felt. That was like, it. what the fuck is this? Yeah. I want to crawl inside it. Yeah. Yeah. And you stayed there. Yeah. And now we're old and we made it through. <laughs> yeah. Nice talking to you, man. Yeah, nice talking to you, sir. I like those Canadians. That was a, that was a, a nice chat. He's a nice guy, and he's funny in a very specific, unique way. Bruce McCullough, Tales of Bravery and Stupidity is his one-person show, soon to be a book, and Watch Out for Tall Boys, which is a sketch comedy show that he produced and directed. There's pastries right there. Right, like, eight of them. But two of them are just chocolates. They're just little, they're just little chocolates. Yeah, maybe I'll. Boomer lives!